in today's podcast we have with us shalini shalini is a avid yoga practitioner and today we will be discovering what is yoga from her perspective so shalini we've been speaking about what is yoga and what are the components that go into yoga and so i wanted to pick your brain in getting some of the definitions that you have in terms of yoga and it's it can be your version but what do you think is yoga really uh, before uh, like i'm going to tell about what is yoga according to my perspective uh, standard definition which i would like to tell yoga is the word which is being derived from a root word huge union or connection so what actually yoga is what are the factors yoga is trying to connect is being beautifully text uh, which is which means the one who has the ability to control the mind from all the activities for all from all the worldly actions and interactions and get it concentrated the body will be able to connect with the supreme which is why we say yoga is the connection of body mind and soul so this definition is a very formal definition which people may or may not be able to understand according to my perception yoga is nothing but if you are able to with anything even it, it can be an animate thing or an inanimate thing if you are able to connect with anything which is available in the universe then it is definitely yoga got it so you told there are like the connection or the union between mind and body and the soul right so yeah. we would like to understand what the mind really represents so is it our brain is it our mind thinking what is this mind really okay according to yoga it we actually denote mind with a special term called antakarna which means antar internal and karna the organ which is residing deep inside oneself which is completely for intangible in nature and which cannot be substantial form only the actions of the mind can be substantial the mind cannot be that's why in yoga we call it as antakarna and there are four passions manas manas is nothing but the synthesizing faculty which connects with the sense organ and receive the input from the sense organ process the information and gives output so this mind we normally call it as lower part of the mind or rational mind of which interaction with the and the second partition is chitta is nothing but the storage space in the mind where all the impression and experiences will be stored and then the third part is buddhi is the intellectual part of the mind where one part of the mind one will be able to understand what is right and what is wrong and help them to take better decisions and then the fourth one is ahankara ahankaram is nothing but ego or i-ness the self-centered nature whenever you think or label 
things around or people around according to your perception without empathy then it comes under this part this four parts comprised together is what we call it as mind in yoga got it so can you obviously we got the techniques and and the details technical details of what it is in the mind but can you give us an yeah. example that will help the audience relate to each of these components yeah yeah sure so manas is nothing but uh, say if uh, an insect is of the mind is an insect is biting you the boat and try to catch it so it is just an automatic action which so when the when the impulse from the sense organ goes to the mind it says so this action is what happens in in the manas patitta is nothing but a storage so whatever you see anything uh, you see a animal or a car uh, anything you look at which will be stored as a thing in the memory which just comes under this part chitta and then buddhi is the intellectual all the intelligence we have which we have got from this world is that this part and then ahankaram as i already told only thinking about one's own perception what i think without thinking about others perception if one behave then definitely it it comes from the ahar okay so is it, uh, it's not that one works in only one part of the mind a person will work in every part of the mind only the proportion he works in the part of the mind varies between but every individual uses a part of the mind now that ahankara you told is that yeah. the part i have heard that basically it is going parallel with intellectual like more intelligence you gain the more ahankara is generated is that true uh, it's not like that yoga says uh, you can actually gain knowledge but when you get detached from the knowledge then ahankara develop that's why that's why every practice in yoga asking yourself to mm-hmm. tune this mind tune this mind to not get attracted it uh, to get not to get attracted towards the things but to not get attracted towards it okay so uh, help me understand this further shalini like so for example yeah, yeah, let's yeah, say yeah. a child we have a child right and let's say mm-hmm. we want to obviously teach this particular concept where we want to teach a child where he does not attach to the outcomes and uh, obviously as a child uh, you see, they come let's say they did a drawing and they came to you and show you the drawing and then you don't give any reaction to it or like do not show any reaction to it or response to it so that causes a little bit of let's say discouragement to child because nobody is reacting to it and so is that something like is that practicing of detachment or you should appreciate the child's effort and at that particular stage will it be too early to teach a child that detachment uh, aspects no no uh, actually the thing is you know you don't need to talk of talk about detachment so when you keep thinking that i should get detached from one so think itself will keep, will put you into a state of depression so you you will become more anxious of thinking about i should not get detached and i should not get immediately end up getting detached that's why yoga it doesn't deliberately says that you should get detached 
drop weight drop in every practice in asana when you stay and when you breathe when you stay and breathe you where every you go to a point where there will be complete relaxation and the body relaxes and that one moment all the attractions all the attachment in the mind gets released so one starts to learn how to get released through the mind in asana and then next he goes to the breathing part now normally when a person takes a deep inhalation and exhalation itself the all the actions which is happening in the mind very fast everybody reactions happen in mind no matter one is aware or not actions keep on happening in the mind so when one is taking a deep inhalation and exhalation then that action stops for a moment so that time every attachment yeah every thought if you think about the thought process which is happening in the mind every related to one self one so when one breathes the thought releases automatically the attack so basically it's not yeah yeah please so basically you're saying like with every breath we are essentially practicing uh, a very subtler form of uh, detachment mm-hmm. but it shouldn't be like yeah, you're yeah. thinking over it but it's just naturally an occurrence that our body is designed to do right and yeah 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 that's why every even when you sit in meditation your mind is just is just blasting up you're sitting and just looking at it in a way as if it is happening to somebody else so when the mind starts to blast you start looking at it in a way with a complete sense of detachment you know when you start meditating you start to realize that because your mind is agitated you try to you don't try to stop the agitation rather you try you just sit and watch the agitation so when you keep on watching like that in normal life whatever happens if something very very stressful situation is going to happen in the environment something you are at the home you love something and the thing is going to get died then you will not get you will not get uh, agitated uh, you keep quiet calm and then look at the situation in a more poised and a balanced way so anything any any distress situation you are going to put in you will be calm and quiet got it and so now that you spoke about the mind right and all of its involvement mm-hmm. the four parts and the way it's it should be calm or throughout any kind of situations like for example you told during the meditation part if something is bothering you 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 watch it as a third party and so let's yeah, look yeah, at yeah. like the other part of it right like the body now if yeah. we consider body as another part of yoga and let's say we are having some pain how do we handle that pain so in mind you told that yes let it come but let's say how do you look at pain for the body perspective i in meditation you sit and you watch the most distressful situation with your mind off and you look at it so when you keep training your mind like that ultimately when the mind is trained and then when you look at the pain the mind is also trained actually in meditation so when it is paining so much similar situation like agitation in the mind it's paining the mind tries to practice the same thing it tries to look at it look at the pain as if it that's okay, why sorry. yoga targets the mind mind is very important so when you try to train the mind for example if i'm having a wound 
if i'm getting a new wound on my leg i get so much worried about the wound i will be agitated anxious to uh, keep on thinking when the wound is going to heal but when the wound heals and it is going to become normal and then after few days after a year so and then the same wound is coming you will not get agitated you will not cry for the pain because you know you already know about the pain of the wound so it's not the wound is actually painful it's the mind which is making us to making us to see the pain as pain mind automatically you will be able to condition everything got it so basically with every little meditative practice that we are doing we are only conditioning the mind to be detached from all those negative positive thoughts mm-hmm. and to be like observing it as a third party uh, detached yes. from it and so when you do this more often it translates into your body also and whenever your body goes through pain or anything that we considered as not good basically what you're trying to do is give the mind the same perspective the third party perspective not only for mind but for also the body yeah yeah so yeah. so basically let's look at more bodily so let's look at some of the bodily ailments that happened mm-hmm. let's say during childbirth or like some person is born with that kind of pain and uh, it's continually living that pain so uh, how does that same thing look at for their perspective so obviously they are in pain right so yeah 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 how do they deal or how should they be dealing with this kind of uh, situation i i think people who are born already with an ailment then they with they little figure out a way to handle it because it's there from the childhood see what we have we don't have an ailment from the childhood so we are used to not having ailment in the body so when an ailment comes we get agitated for them it's not like that there been born with an ailment so they'll definitely figure out a way i have seen many people who are born with an any ailment they're more stronger more self confident than us got it got it so mm-hmm. maybe it's uh, they are actually given the gift of that detachment from mm-hmm. child itself <laughs> now that's what i'm saying see it's not uh, anything which is in the environment it's not changing only a perception about the thing is changing that's why we should con- condition the mind correct and and so if you take this aspect of people born with ailments and they learning to cope with it and uh, those people who don't have anything and they get something new in their life new ailments in their life and they then have to then just practice the mindfulness or meditation to just be stay detached from that and just accept it and, yeah. and the mind yeah. will automatically find ways to cope with it much more quicker is that right yeah yeah, yeah. we should stop putting more uh, into when you stop putting it really starts unwinding it gets clear automatically so okay. the the art of not the putting the impurities into the mind is what yoga is the art of not picking up any impurity okay so mind. now you t- you spoke about some of this impurities right and a lot of uh, mm-hmm. us unknowingly or knowingly collect this impurities within the mind or let's say uh, it begins with the mind and then it translates into body ailments somehow or the other yeah so how do we 
get rid of this imp- impurities systematically and and then be yeah. able to first do that uh, and then also before that step how to even identify that we have certain impurities with us i i guess the being, begin there where we want to identify mm-hmm. first see being born as a human being and you start suffering in the world itself then you have a impurity definitely human <laughs> being is like uh, complaining about one or the other thing because as i already said we are keep on complaining when we condition the mind then we don't complain about things Got so it, i it. think so that's why yoga is very important for every man every every human being is suffering in one or the other way both happiness is also making one suffer and sorrow is also making one suffer that's why yoga says you enjoy life you be sad no problem but try to get detached and just keep living don't take up the responsibility rather be responsible throughout your life got it so does that translate to like externally anything can happen to us and we have our mind in control so if given yeah. the choice that okay i'm not going to let this impact me or i'm going to say detach from this particular activity pointed towards me or something i'm in an accident or i mean mm-hmm. so i got something very bad happened to me so all of these things when you continually practice the detachment then you're basically living a life which is less stressed more fuller because anything happening the more the more you basically accept these things you will see that suddenly a lot of these things outside of your control are disappearing like they don't occur as much to you as much it is occurring to somebody else does that yeah. uh, happen or do you see that happening with you sometimes yes yeah it is it uh, yeah the what you are saying is a very long process but still i myself have in so many aspects in my life i used to get angry like anything used to get blast out like anything but nowadays i don't know when i start practicing yoga when i went deeper into it my agitation was more first and then when i was getting agitated or with getting angry i watched myself as if i'm watching somebody else so i watched myself how my how words are coming out of my mind and how my eyes are how i react which is completely pathetic and terrible i never know i'm like and when i did yoga it showed me that this is what me so when i looked at it it also teach taught me not to get agitated for the bad image of myself rather i it made me accept it. okay i i am an angry person when i get angry i am i react so i accepted it because of that exception i am able to work on it so and then i and then i slowly worked on it and i got out of it now it's like it's a very rare thing for me to get angry uh, for me throughout my entire life angry is the biggest problem i want to get out of the angry i always try to get out of it and again i get into the tangle of getting angry because that itself has become a big attachment for me attachment of not getting angry again i uh, just get into the web of angry anger again accept no problem it's not something wrong being stressed being angry or being some terrible person is not wrong accept it don't deny it if you accept it itself you'll be able to get out of it that's what yoga that's what i learned 
to yoga absolutely shalini so i i think that's a very crucial part um, aspect you brought out so i think we will do another podcast on just the anger itself because i want to delve <laughs> little deeper into that and obviously bring out notions of that part but coming to yeah, sure. body and mind so basically now you have covered the mind the body and the next aspect is the soul right so can you give us an example of what soul looks like soul is not something which uh, can be seen through eyes or cannot be seen or cannot be sensed through any of our five sense organs uh, but in yoga soul we uh, define it in three terms before defining the three, three terms i would like to tell the nature of the soul through this beautiful poem from bhagavad gita that it's not something which is born or which cannot which is something which cannot be i'm sorry uh, soul is something which is neither born nor dead nayam bhutva which means soul is not something as if it is existed before so it is going to get destroyed now it is always existing it is not going to die anywhere no. that is it is immortal ageless na hanyare even if the body dies the soul is not going to die got it so now you give us the soul meaning of it and there's a lot of lot to take yeah. in actually and and so i have this always this question right in movies and uh, fictional movies and all of that we see right if a man does a lot of bad activities they say that his soul is going to be burnt or his soul is damaged mm-hmm. so is that yeah. true for the soul like the way you said soul right now it's eternal it's mm-hmm. it's ageless mm-hmm. right it, it it cannot have, there's a lot of things that is the property of the soul so does soul really get bad or you know damaged or something like that or is that completely soul false is the pure, uh, no no it, in, in, i i can't say it's completely false but the perception maybe it's wrong uh, I, that's what i'll explain the three terms maybe after this you'll be able to understand it in a better way first is uh, soul call it in a beautiful term called paramatma or from where the entire universe uh, so when you trace back anything in this world it goes the smallest thing which goes back is atom so where this atom comes from so when you when you investigate deeper beyond this no one will be able to understand where this atom has come from but this there is it is this atom so this is what we call it as paramatma which is which is also called as god nature or ishwara or the creator anything we can call so this paramatma atma it is called atma that's what is called soul so if you take a drop from as a drop of water from a ocean the drop of the water is going to have then it is going to have the pure quality of godliness so the soul will not be definitely it's not going to get impure the soul is the pure so the next term is jivatma this is where the impurity is going to start which is nothing but when the atma gets into a physical form it gets into into the body of a plant into the body of an animal or into the body of a human body when it gets into a any animate or inanimate thing it starts to think it has animate or the that's when the impurity starts 
because of this one one completely forget about the divinity or the divine nature of the atma that's why we say in yoga aham this the god is deciding deep inside us only so this is what the jivatma is what is about the jivatma is where all the likes and dislikes of our life will be stored that's why they say if you do bad then the soul is getting it will get impure is because this jivatma will store everything you do in your life all your likes all your dislikes whatever you have done in your life everything will be stored if you have done action with attachment then it will be stored in the jivatma so when one dies as per the definition as i already told the when the body dies the jivatma will not die it goes out of the body and keeps just roaming around the universe it will it the atma which is residing deep inside the jivatma has the deep earning to combine with the paramatma but the jivatma that's why the earning in the atma makes again the jivatma physical form that's why we keep on getting born to achieve the union with the paramatma that's why we say in yoga yoga is the the union of body mind and soul so uh, through the practice of yoga one will be able to realize that he is not his body there is a pure form of the divinity to realize that no matter how much we talk in india uh, the hindu philosophy talks about atma about it but we are not able to realize this is yoga got it and so basically what you're saying is that everybody is merely trying to get connect if you trying to con- connect with it and then get union with the parmatma and um, yeah. and so all we have to do is keep continuing this practice and continue this practice because that is the only way to stick to the path and know that we are working towards the union of, or or that thing so I, i wanted to pick your brain on understanding this uh, shalini so you have this body mind and soul and you explain beautifully the soul has three three in these three aspects and now let's say i am a practitioner and i want to know if i am really working towards union of all of these three aspects so how do i know i'm working towards it and how do i know if i'm not i'm derailing from it or i i i i'm you know taking the alternate path of it right like i want to be having some form of feedback that helps me understand that i am in the right path of getting this three of the aspects in union this is a very important question actually because uh, we have been lived in this world completely using our sense organs and then attaching distractions so suddenly one takes the decision to practice yoga and try to take the journey inward which is completely a contradiction to what he has been doing so far in it so it is a difficult path to go inward to travel and also there is no measuring scale or we don't have an instrument or a gadget to showcase us the path to yoga to reach the end goal of yoga so definitely it is a difficult task to understand because 
what is it even if you are doing a very advanced asana also one fails to walk in the path of yoga one does very beautiful strong and advanced pranayama where he is able to hold his breath for 2 minutes 3 minutes but still he fails to reach the path but i have seen people who have been done all these very advanced asana simple life but they did were able to they did go to the path, go on the path of yoga and reach the end goal so we we cannot measure actually the success through whatever you are doing rather i think there should be a person who has already walked in the path of yoga and realized that first we should seek the guidance of that person that is very important so in yoga a guru is very important in every text if you take and read all the authentic text first and foremost necessity yoga talks about is having a very well acquainted guru if you have a deep devotion towards your guru with a strong faith in paramatman will not get lost in the path of yoga and also i know we will not be able to understand how a person has got or realized the soul so because we haven't walked in the path so it's very difficult to find a person to to and understand that the person has realized the soul or not but i have on my personal experience i think one should have the deep earning to go like no other no nothing matter if you really have deep to practice and walk in the path of yoga definitely the guru will arrive chalani walk mm-hmm. and the path shall appear that's yeah, how yeah. we look at it and thank you chalani for bringing out the aspect of what is yoga obviously we've touched on a lot of other topics but today we really wanted to bring out what is yoga and probably in the next uh, few episodes what we are going to do is let's explore anger or emotions much more deeply and also obviously the importance of mentor for uh, your yoga journey or the union journey and so thank you yeah. for uh, walking us through what is yoga shalini today we will end it at this spot but we will pick it up on another topic in another podcast thank you for joining in